We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It feels like Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I am your guest host today, Brass Jazz. Johnny is still suspended from the network. You know, I am your resident Photoshopper and anime hater, so I am taking the, the lead today, I guess. My guests today, we have Mr. Saucy Nuggets, Lefty Lave. Hola, what's up? We have our co-founder and producer, Brian Goins. Dude, I love your voice. Oh, thank you very much. You're too sweet. All right, we have Hot Take Harry, Mr. Harrison Citrin. I also enjoy your voice. You guys are too much. And our special guest today, we have Mr. Ethan Skolnick. Good to be with you guys, and I'm glad that Johnny's not here. Before we get to our guest, let's hear what's happening around the Five Reasons Podcast Network. While we have a minute here, want to introduce you to what's going on with the Five Reasons Sports Network. We started with one podcast, the Five Reasons Flagship, that's hosted by myself, Ethan Skolnick, along with Chris Whittingham. But Chris, since then, we've added four more. Yes, we have, Ethan. We have, for the Miami Heat fans out there, we have Miami Heat Beat, Three Yards Per Carry, a juggernaut of a Dolphins podcast, Simon Clancy, C.K. Parrott, Uptown Report on Twitter, doing a brilliant job there. Balls cast with Chris Joseph and Slim. He does not go by a name. He merely goes by Slim. And then we have Pitch Invasion, which I host. is a soccer podcast. We're going to be going strong during the World Cup. So check out all the other podcasts in the Five Reasons Sports Network. And be sure to check out the Twitter account at Five Reasons Sports. That's the number five Reasons Sports. We post all the schedules for the podcast, polls, all kinds of cool stuff there. You will not get more information from any other sports outlet in South Florida. Sports by Miami for Miami. 
because I'm actually thinking of extending that to three weeks because that, you know, a two week suspension on the pod is one thing, but some of the stuff he's been putting on the DM chat that we have is completely unacceptable. It's so I, I'm, I'm going to talk to Whittingham about that. I mean, the first thing he can't spell anything uh, at all, um, even his name. And, <laughs> and, and then be, beyond that, uh, just some of the takes are ridiculous. They're just, insane so i you know when we decided to add you guys to the network i've got to admit i had no idea that it was this bad uh, with him so i i think one more week would be appropriate he can't Players stay requires out, remorse at all he can't stay yeah. out of the links only uh thread he no, can't stay out of there no no i mean just to explain this to listeners who may not understand so we have i mean there are 10 of you uh there are now 19 people in the network which is going to get a lot bigger here come july and so we had a chat. We have a chat that goes back and forth uh, all day and night, this DM chat that we have on Twitter. And we had to create a separate one for just links to promote our work. And it's like explicit in there. Do not comment on anything in there. It's just to post links. And for some reason, Novice uh, cannot understand that. And not only that, but can't, but he spells like Trump. I mean, so the whole thing is, it's just... <laughs> It's, it's 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 completely unacceptable. He's destroyed two DM chats. So I, I say we leave him over there in Japan or wherever it is. I mean, he just ought to stop by that summit tonight, actually, um, while he's while he's over there. And uh, maybe he can be part of that negotiation. But yeah, I, I would say at least one more week of a suspension. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, so since we last had you, Cleveland got swept. So some of us were rejoicing from that because some of us still hold on to our team petty roots. It's always going to be there, even though it's sort of uh, been downgraded over time. You know, I, for one, I can't speak for everyone here. Oh, Harrison. But can speak uh, for I was I was a little delighted by that. I'm not going to lie. Harrison, what do you think? I wasn't listening. Oh, God, really? <laughs> wow. Were you delighted that the Cavaliers were swept? Yeah, of course. I um, LeBron is. I was telling someone earlier today. I was, there's something about LeBron. Like I love LeBron, the basketball player, and I love LeBron, the philanthropist. And I, he seems like a good father. I obviously don't know anything about that, so I won't. I won't slander anyone's skills as a as a father. But um, I think everything else about him is really super annoying. The passive aggressiveness is annoying. Breaking your own hand. Is stupid, but then wearing the cast at the end of the press, like right when you get to the press conference, it seems like he was just looking for an excuse. And I was listening to um, Around the Horn today, and it was funny because Sarah Spain was saying like, LeBron, we weren't going to blame you. It was amazing you brought this crappy team to the finals. We were, it was just an incredible accomplishment. Brian Windhorst was like having a party. He was like, we will remember this team forever. <laughs> he was like, I mean, it was the most ridiculous spot on SportsCenter. And then, and then, but then he comes out with a cast and you're like, LeBron, we knew you weren't going to win. You were probably going to lose in five. You lost in four because you decided to break your hand and J.R. Smith is a dummy. It's not a big deal. And I'll never get behind LeBron. Even if he decided to come back, I, I don't like him. I just don't like LeBron. <laughs> yeah, Ethan, like, why? Do you need to take a breath? I mean, <laughs> like, what is going on? <laughs> Ethan, why do you think that was? What made him decide to come out? And, and even if that happened and he punched a whiteboard, why say that? Because like, like Harrison said, no one was going to blame him for this one bit. Yeah, I got to admit, I didn't understand that, guys. Um, and, you know, look, you got to realize that after 2011 and the comments he made after losing to the Mavericks, remember, go back to your shitty lives comment, basically, um, that he made. And I remember being in the press room 
and we were all on deadline and they're playing uh, the press conferences on the TV above us. And we're, I was like pounding copy and just sort of, you know, listening to what he was saying and trying to enter it into my column. And all of us, like he said that, and we were all like at the same time, like, holy bleep. Like, did he just go there? Like, and we, you know, that, that he would actually say that. What you got to realize is after that loss to Dallas, he went out and hired somebody. Um, he hired Adam Mendelson, who had worked for Schwarzenegger, actually, uh, when Schwarzenegger was governor of California. And Adam's a really smart guy. And they basically locked themselves in a room for a week um, and came up with sort of a new media plan for him. And if you look at the way that LeBron acted in Miami after that first year, it was much more controlled. Uh, he didn't sort of call anybody out. Uh, you, with one, one key difference here between Cleveland and Miami, and we talked about this on our podcast, Chris and I, in Miami, he never called out another player. Now, would he make jokes about Mario? Yes. Would he sometimes get into it with Mario a little bit and then apologize, which happened once? Yes. But none of the passive-aggressive stuff. Like, he got close to it a couple of times with Bosch and pulled back right away. In Cleveland, he's done that all the time with Kevin Love, with JR, with Dion. I was up there that first year uh, in Cleveland. And, like, LeBron, I mean, there were 11 possessions at the start of a game in Portland. And literally... Kyrie and LeBron did not pass to Dion once. He did not touch the ball for the first 11 possessions. And on the 12th possession, they inbounded to him. He bobbled the ball out of bounds, and he was taken out. It, that was his only touch of the first 12 possessions. This was the way that he started treating teammates up in Cleveland, a little bit like they were children uh, at times. I mean, James Jones and Mike Miller, their role in Cleveland was to tell players, the young players there, like Tristan and Dion and others, to look at the coach when he was speaking. So. It's been a totally different experience in Cleveland as Miami, and he has had no problem kind of throwing teammates under the bus. And and in Miami, he never did that. Never did that. Um, even when he wasn't happy with Spolster, he was really careful not to say it publicly and just sort of say as little as possible so he wouldn't get himself in trouble. So I think when you, you look at this broken hand thing, uh, again, it's more of kind of, I did everything I could. I did it even when I was hurt. I did it even when I was hurt because JR is an idiot. Uh, and so all of those things together. But I don't really think in this situation, as you said, it was necessary because there was nobody in the media who was going to blame him for what happened in that series. The only thing you can blame LeBron for the entire time in Cleveland was trying to get his guys from clutch paid. That's it. OK, nothing else. He, he got he tried to get JR paid. He tried to get Tristan paid. It's the reason I think he's probably going to Philly. OK, but. He tried to get those guys paid, and that's a big part of the reason they're in the position that they're in now is those two contracts certainly played a role in that. But the other stuff, you can't blame him, and he wouldn't have been blamed. So I don't, I don't know if Adam's still working with him as closely as he did. That was the first thing that occurred to me. But that's not something Adam would have recommended he do. So that's why it struck me as strange. But Ethan, let's be real for a second. Like, okay, fine. He never, he never technically threw anyone under the bus in Miami. But after he left, one of the people were talking about, oh, uh, you know, they amnestied Mike Miller. He loves Mike Miller. That was a big reason why, you know, he was mad at the Heat organization. He was mad at the moves they were making. So Mike Miller is technically the guy that broke the news that he was going to Cleveland because he was shooting those jump shots with like a picture of LeBron in a mm -hmm. Cleveland jersey in the bottom of the picture. And then he gets to Cleveland. He spends one, one year there and they send him off to Portland. Uh, they just ship Mike Miller away. So it's like, LeBron uses whatever he needs to craft his story. He's great at it. He's like, He's an expert storyteller, but it's almost like he throws people under the bus to tell the story that he wants to tell. And like with he knows how to work the media. He knows how to work Twitter. 
He knows how to work his teammates. He is um, my joke was always when he went back to Cleveland, like he was the Count of Monte Cristo. He just knows how to twist and manipulate people to get what he wants. Sorry for the literary reference if no one knows what I'm talking about. Um, no, it's a good one. Uh, and I think generally you're right that he has a really good feel for how to work the media. And I think he developed that over time. But I think the Mike Miller thing's a bad example. And, and I'll, I'll tell you why on this. Um, uh, the first thing is when Mike was amnestied, uh, I was at his house that night. OK, um, he had a hey, uh, he had a function uh, at his house and he was getting amnestied. And this is how badly Mike did not want to go to Cleveland. OK. Mike came up to me at that and said, you have to say I'm having back surgery tomorrow. <laughs> and, <I> was, <laughs> and meanwhile, Mike had three beers in his hand. OK, um, he was not having back surgery uh, the next day. He did not when he was amnestied. He did not. Because remember, this was 2013, not 2014. So LeBron was still here. It was still that mess up there in Cleveland. He did not want to go to Cleveland. So he wanted Cleveland not to select him uh, in the in the, uh, uh, the the amnesty draft, basically amnesty waivers. So he didn't want to go there the first time. The, the second time, uh, what I've heard about this pretty specific, uh, well, let's go back to when he was actually amnesty. LeBron was upset about him being amnesty. Now, I know that there's been some conversation after. I know Dan's put this out, and so I have a feeling probably where that's come from, uh, that you know LeBron was okay with it. Uh, if LeBron was okay with it, he didn't act okay with it. He also didn't act okay with the jo Joel Anthony trade at all. We were in D.C. that day at Georgetown at the gym, and the play, it was for a shoot around and the players all left the gym. And the way that it works at Georgetown, the gym is all the McDonough. I think it's called McDonough Hall. It's all the way in the back. OK. And so the players all get in the bus and then a bunch of us reporters were walking back to try to find a taxi. It's kind of difficult to find a taxi. At the time, it, there was no Uber that we were using. So we were trying to get a cab. So we're, we're trying to walk down uh, this area. And as we're looking, we check our phones and we're like, oh, shit, Woj bomb. OK, because we had just seen Joel at uh, at shoot around and there it was. Joel's been traded. And what I heard about that day was LeBron went back and took a nap, woke up, was furious. A bunch of the players were furious because it was basically a, a tax cutting move uh, the way that they viewed it. And if you remember that night in D.C., they gave up 73 in the first half to the Wizards mm -hmm. that night. Totally, uh, totally quit. And that locker room was as as icy as I've ever been in during the big three era. And it was typically, particularly uh, the first two and a half, three years, a pretty lively place until like the last half of the last year when everybody had kind of quit. So um, he wasn't happy about either of those things. So the thing about Mike going to, to Cleveland, Mike was shot by the time that he went up to Cleveland, Harry. I mean, he was done. I mean, he had the one year in Memphis where he, he played 82 games and shot 45% from three. And then I was around him that first year in Cleveland. He couldn't move anymore. Blatt hated him, uh, didn't really understand why he was there. OK, I mean, Mike was basically put in charge of mentoring Kyrie, which it, it, like that was what LeBron put him in charge of. And I thought he did a good job with that. And they developed a relationship because Kyrie can be a difficult guy to get to know. And I thought that worked out pretty well. But the idea that he then jettisoned Mike off to Denver, Mike has a relationship with Denver's owner. And I can tell you, Mike and LeBron are still close. So, so I think if we're going to use an example of LeBron manipulating someone. Mike's probably not the best one to go with there. Wherever the, oh, LeBron, oh, 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 well, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Ethan. He, for some reason, he always manipulates people and gets away with it. Like he costs Wade money, and Wade loves him. I mean, there's something about <laughs> there's true. something about no, it's crazy. So you say, yeah, they're so close. Of course they are. And I think LeBron and Jordan are closer than they ever realized, especially in a talent, because if. Because if you're annoyed that they traded Joel Anthony, 
Like, who cares, man? It's Joel Anthony. Like, I, I get that, that he's... But, but Harry, was, that wasn't about talent. That, that was about that locker room. Um, that was the closest, and I've been doing this since 96, uh, around the Heat and the Dolphins primarily. That was the closest locker room I've been around. Uh, that group really liked each other. One of the things that Ray Allen said when he came here was, uh, and LeBron followed Ray Allen around like a puppy dog the whole time, okay? I mean, loved Ray. And, and that was part of the problem the last year because Ray was complaining about everything. And he was using LeBron as his conduit. So he would go to LeBron with stuff, and then LeBron would go to Spolstra or, uh, or Fizz with stuff. And that's, that was how that was playing out. But that locker room was really close to the point that when, and I don't know if this was a shot at the Celtics, but Ray told me that the biggest difference between Miami and Boston was nobody hung out with each other in Boston. And in Miami, there was a text string every morning before a game, and it was, where are we all going to breakfast? And it was 15 guys on the string. And it was also, if you look back at the, the Harlem Shake, if you look back at the Trayvon video, the uh, Trayvon photo, those are all things that those guys did together. And LeBron organized a lot of that. So even though Joel obviously had stone hands and all the rest of this and was quiet, like they all liked Joel and they all loved Mike. Mike was probably the most popular guy in the locker room um, in terms of being someone who could connect with everybody. He was close with JJ. He was close with Shane. Uh, he was close with Dwayne. He was close with LeBron. He was close with the whole team. So that's what LeBron was objecting to, I, I think, was we have this really tight group. Uh, I made a sacrifice to come here. I took a little less money. Now, of course, he insisted on the six-year with the four-year opt-out, which cost the Heat draft picks, and Bosch did the same thing. But I took less money. Why are we now trying to save money by cutting guys that we like or trading guys that we like in the locker room? And so that's, we can argue that, look, on a basketball, for basketball decision, Mickey and the team probably made the right decision in both cases because Mike Miller's body broke down two years later and Joel Anthony was not a starting caliber, even a rotation caliber player at that point. But I can tell you that that's what LeBron's thinking was. on. If that locker room was that um, emphatic in keeping those guys together, why wouldn't you like explicitly state that to the front office, you know, to kind of uh, to mitigate the like that trade even taking place? Like, why wouldn't LeBron speak up about that if, if that's something that bothered him so much? Or the well, locker room I, in general. Well, I well that Leaf, I, I, Leaf, I, I don't think um, that I don't I don't know that LeBron felt he had that kind of power in there. Um, and, and I know that sounds crazy, but I I just don't I think that's the big difference between Miami and Cleveland is you know we can argue about whether or not LeBron has been acting as the GM in Cleveland or not, uh, but I do know that like the structure of the trades because I was around that team in fourteen fifteen. The structure of the trades that David Griffin made to get rid of Dion and bring in Jr. and Mozgov. I think we lost Ethan. Yeah, we lost Ethan. Well, let me let me uh, take over here a little bit. That's okay. Um, I I just I get what he's saying, and I understand where Ethan's coming from. But the truth is, like LeBron's passive aggressiveness is a big part of his issue. So what Le- what Leif is saying is true. If you have an issue with something, you should bring it up before it happens. And I just don't see the Heat really like doing things and then, you know, just making it, making it, making LeBron angry. If LeBron had expressed himself like a normal human being working in an office or in any type of business environment, these things wouldn't have occurred. And the truth is LeBron lets bad things happen and then gets angry about them because it's <laughs> right. easy. There's less, and there's less accountability. It's so easy. It's like, I didn't know about it. I didn't know we were going to uh, amnesty Mike Miller. I didn't know we were going to trade Dion. I didn't know we were doing this. And then you just go to the media and you're just like, I'm angry about this. I had no say in this. No one came to me. I'm LeBron James. How does no one talk to me? It's so easy. He's a genius. 
Like people talk about his memory and this and that. <laughs> he is a manipulative genius. It's amazing. What he's done is godlike. Honestly, it's the most incredible thing. It is unbelievable. I, I always I always sort of Loki hate myself whenever I agree with Harrison when he goes on those rants because I'm like, man, this is really bitter, but I totally agree. With football season rapidly approaching, let's hear from our Five Reasons Football Podcast, Three Yards Per Carry. On the Three Yards Per Carry Podcast, you get this type of analysis. Even if you count all those guys, there's only two players in the NFL that are producing three yards or better every time they even step on the field and run a route. And those are Julio Jones and Jakeem Grant. And this too. So naturally we have this dick that could set fire to a suitcase with us, okay? So nobody's talking about your wife, right? <laughs> Join us every Thursday for three yards per carry on the Five Reason Sports Network, covering all of your Miami Dolphins news. That was a very petty rant. Wow. Team Petty is a uh, guy. I, I disappeared for a second, and that no, happens. that's okay. Uh, no, no, no I, I, I heard some of it. No, look, he's really good at this. I'm, I'm Harry. I'm with you. He's re- the Dion thing. He's he was really good at that in Cleveland. Like I knew from the very beginning. Like he was not comfortable playing with Dion. It was obvious. Okay, there was one game in DC. This was uh, it always seems to happen in DC. There's one game in DC where where Dion and Kyrie were just dribbling in circles the whole game, just dribbling in circles, not passing to anyone. And I walked into the locker room and, and Cleveland got blown out. And this was during that run where they were below 500 through the first half. People talk about nine and eight for the heat. Th- that Cleveland team, I believe, was 19 and 20, actually, through 39 games under Blatt. And I walked in the locker room and I just caught LeBron's eyes. He was he was sort of looking down. I caught his eyes and he just looks at me and goes, these bleeping guys and just like <laughs> shaking his head. And it was just it was obvious that he was not comfortable playing with the two of them. Waiters and Kyrie had no relationship with each other um, before LeBron came. That predated him. So uh, you're absolutely. And then he sort of it's plausible deniability after Dion's traded where oh Griff made the trades. okay? but LeBron had to sign off on playing with J.R. Smith. I know that for a fact. LeBron also had studied Mozgov before they brought him in. So but I don't believe and we you know, you guys can disagree with us or not. I just don't believe the Heat involved him to that degree. They just didn't, or anything close. And it's just the way that Pat runs the organization. It is a top-down thing. There's a lot of things with Riley organizations. Like, you know, look, first thing, nobody ever leaves, right? I mean, when you're with the Heat, you don't leave. I mean, unless you were Stan Van Gundy, which was an odd situation. Um, but most guys don't leave there. And then, you know, you also look at being top-down. Very little stuff leaks, Right. Like Riley organizations don't leak. They're just very they're tightly run and they all and they don't involve the players in that much. Like, I don't know how much Dwayne's been involved in over the years in terms of decisions that they've made. So I think that plays into it in large part. And so I think it's easier to say LeBron didn't have a say in stuff in Miami, because I think for the most part, that was true. Are you also so, saying that there's absolutely no way that he would ever come and play with Dion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside? <laughs> You know, it's funny. He seems to have a relationship with Hassan. I don't, right? I mean, you've seen some of those interactions. Um, I, you know, I'm Big not, Head or something like that. Didn't Hassan call him Big Head? Yeah, well, there was that thing. I remember the first year Hassan was with the Heat, and Hassan said something before he came up for the shoot around about wanting to, what, to dunk on? Was it dunk on LeBron or block his shot? And, and then he got upset at the media for reporting it because LeBron was going to use that against him or whatever. It was a, the circus for 24 hours. Um, I, I look, I look at the heat team and I say, who would LeBron want to play with? Okay. So let's look at it that way. Who would he want to play with on the team? I think he'd want to play with Josh Richardson. Yes. I think Josh, 
I think Josh is a perfect fit for him uh, because he's a wing defender who would take all the tough assignments, can spot up shoot, can create off the dribble. I'm not sure LeBron's even had a player quite like Josh uh, over the course of his career. Just that type, because obviously Dwayne, you know, in, in terms of spot up shooter, that kind of thing, not quite the same. I think he, I think he'd like playing with Justice because um, I, I remember we had him. LeBron did something he almost never does. He he did a radio interview with Howard Beck and I for Bleacher Report Radio after losing the finals in 15. That's right. And, and he talked about the heat. We, we got him to Howard actually was the one. I didn't want to push the heat on him, but Howard asked him what he thought about teams in the East. And he said, I like what Miami's done. I like the Dragic trade. I really think Justice Winslow is going to be good. So uh, I, I think Justice is a player. I think Justice is toughness, uh, physicality. I think that would appeal to LeBron. I, I would assume he's always liked Dragic. I, I don't see why he wouldn't. Um, he's had some battles with James Johnson, but I and you know I don't know what he thinks of Bam, obviously. But uh, but I you know Whiteside waiters, you know I'm not. <laughs> I, I would not, envision I would envision that Olenek and Ellington would also be guys that would fit his game and kind of the whole uh, the spacing that he looks for and things like that. And JJ is is very similar to Justice. So although he is so. Um, like when he's at his best, he's kind of like LeBron at 20%. Uh, so they'd kind of be duplicated skill sets to some degree. I think that they could play together also. I think there's a lot of complementary pieces. And I think uh, that, that one of the bigger ch- differences between this, the way this organization, the team is run, as opposed to Cleveland, is you get a lot of defensive players in there, and they're not going to give up on the other side of the floor, which Cleveland just completely, the, the, just the floor just caved in yep. every time on defense. So, um, with, uh, so much has been talked about uh, this last week. Everyone's talked to death about LeBron's landing spots. Obviously, we can talk about how he's definitely going to come to Miami here, but <laughs> other other places. Uh, I, so, I, a couple questions. Um, so, you think he's going to go to the 76ers? That if I, you were to if you were to to guess, handicap it. Yes. I, yeah. I, yeah, I would, yeah. Yeah. I I would say um, that would be my lean. Now, I would put it. I would put it Philadelphia Lakers Houston in that order. I would have uh, I would have San Antonio and Miami as sort of uh, dark horse dark long horses, yeah. so it's a long shot the long shots. Uh, and my feeling on Philadelphia uh, is well a couple of things. One is a little bit of information. It's it's with somebody who's in his circle, not not his closest inner circle, but in his circle uh, that myself and another media member have communicated with and I, and I so that that there is interest uh in Philadelphia from him. Now I don't know about the family, okay, and that's going to play into this. But from him. And my theory on this uh is pretty simple. Um first thing, I don't think staying in the East is that big a deal. Uh I, I think we've made too much of that. Um I don't think the East is that much worse than the West right now, frankly. Uh I mean, I have Golden State and obviously whatever Houston is, okay, so he's going to lose Paul George. Uh, New Orleans probably going to lose Cousins, or if they could keep him, he's not going to be the same player right away that he was after the Achilles. Portland may break that thing up, and they were what they finished third or fourth in the West this year. San Antonio may lose Kawhi, and I don't think there was great depth in the Western Conference this year to begin with. And Utah is going to get better, uh, but I don't know that they're a serious 55 win type team at this stage. Whereas in the East, even if LeBron doesn't join, Boston will be really good. Philadelphia should be really good. Uh, Toronto should still be good. I don't know what they're going to do to it, but they have enough assets that they can, they can, Masai's good enough. He'll reshape it into something pretty decent. And he has the best bench in the league this year. And you still have to deal with Riley. 
And you have an Indiana team, which looks like they found an interesting mix that they can add to. And you have Giannis. So when you look at all of that, you say, is really the West that much better than the Eastern Conference right now? So I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to base this on that. I'm basing it on this. LeBron is about business now. He's about business. Okay. So people talk about LA because they say, well, he wants to build his entertainment portfolio. But what he has shown the most interest in over the past few years is actually, he's done a lot of that with Spring Hill uh, Entertainment and all the rest. But the biggest thing he's shown interest in is building his presence in the league and his legacy in the league and building his agency and empowering people around him. That's the big thing with LeBron over the past few years. It's wielding, we talk about sort of what Harry got into a little bit, but it's about wielding power, right? It's about showing organizations, whether it's Dan Gilbert, whether it's Pat Riley, whoever it is, I'm the boss, you're not the boss, okay? He has more of a partnership with Adam Silver than he's had with either Pat Riley or anybody in Cleveland, okay? So my thought is, if he wants to build his agency, empower himself, empower the people around him, empower Rich Paul, empower Maverick, empower everybody else who's been associated with him all these years, then what you do is you go get their next great client to the finals every year, and you put him on that stage. And even if Ben Simmons and LeBron James don't have perfect skill sets in terms of being able to collaborate, I think both are smart enough to ultimately figure that out. And I think if you can put at least two shooters on the floor with them and Embiid at all times, I think you'll be able to space it just enough. And it allows LeBron to do a couple things. Uh, One, build clutch, obviously, but also pass the torch to the next guy that he chooses. He would be making the decision that Ben Simmons is the guy he's going to prop up. And when you look at the way that Jordan treated LeBron, the way that Barkley treated LeBron, the way that all those guys treated LeBron, where they were not respectful to him coming up, where it bothered him. I had a conversation with him at the All-Star game in Orlando. So I think that was the 11-12 season. And it was just me and him. We were walking on. He was doing a Boys and Girls Club event. And I was doing a piece about how other players reacted to him. All-Stars. And I said to him, I said, have any of the all-time greats come up to you this weekend and told you what a great season you're having? Anybody. Okay. Any of the guys who were there. And he looks at me and he goes, am I intimidating? And I said, no. And he goes, I don't know why they don't come up to me. He said, but nobody ever does. And that, I think, has bothered him that Jordan has not embraced him, that the other greats, with the exception of Magic and Dr. J, have not embraced him. The fact that Dr. J has embraced him, I think, makes it a little bit cleaner for him to go to Philadelphia um, and because they've really only had two real superstars in the past 40 years, and Dr. J and Iverson. I guess you could count Moses, but really Dr. J and Iverson. And so I think for all of that, LeBron's ability to pump his agency and then a guy with a similar skill set, so it allows that guy to take more of a role going forward I add all those things together, and I think that's the most likely scenario. I could see Lakers, uh, but I don't think he's going to want to deal with the Kobe thing there. Um, that's just a hunch of mine. Because Kobe stands, as you know, are totally irrational. I've had a bunch of them on the Twitter feed the past couple of days. Uh, they're just yeah, yeah, I'm, not the, I'm not buying the Lakers thing. I, I don't think it makes sense. Even to play with Paul George. And guys, are we really convinced that Paul George is a great number two? Is Paul George a number two on a championship team? Like, will, is Paul George more of a number two on a championship team than, say, Embiid or Simmons could be, well, ultimately? Well, Paul George is number two at the end of games. <laughs> right. right. This is true. <laughs> right. And I think w- w- Golden State kind of murkies those waters a little bit. But, I mean, because I, I would say that Paul George, like, he probably ranks as a, as a number two guy. But when you're going up against Golden State, is he good enough as your number two guy? That's a different question. Right. Um, so, Ethan, I, I know you're going to need to to step out uh, soon. I did want to ask you one thing. I, I just want to do a little a little bit of speculating with with the Heat. 
mm-hmm. jumping, say, five to seven years or rings, however you want to look at it in the future, what <laughs> changes do you expect to happen with Miami's front office? Assuming Riley steps away in the next couple of years, his absence is sure to set off a chain reaction of staff changes. So, uh, like, what what kind of things do you think would happen? Do you think do you think that is the moment when Mickey officially hands the team off to Nick, and would Spo take Pat's place? And you know, how do you see the sort of the chain of command shift? It's an interesting question. I will say this: if Heat fans want to have confidence in anything right now, it's it's not the roster or the cap situation; it's the way they've set up the front office for the future. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable with that. I, I think they have a really good group. Now, who takes the lead in that? Um, we'll get the full story on why Shane pulled his name out in Detroit. Uh, but clearly, they have big plans for him. He started yeah. traveling started traveling with the team in the second half of last season. Um, I, to me, the thing about Shane is he has three qualities that are very rare in an executive. Okay, He's a former player. Um, he knows analytics uh, and he was a role guy. And I think all three of those things are important because he understands it because the fact that he was a former player means he can get in the room with former players uh, and he can, he understands what their desires are. The analytics thing is critical. You need that in an organization. Now somebody who understands it and Shane actually doesn't even buy into every one of the traditional analytics. He's invented some of his own. Like he's, he has, he's ahead of the curve on that stuff. Many conversations with him about that thing. And also as a role guy, he understands he's played with stars. He played, he, he played with LeBron. He played with Wade. He played against Kobe for years and studied Kobe in a way that no other guy in the league did. Um, so I think he's, to be honest, I, I think he's the best fit to be the face of the organization going forward. With that said, Andy should have a huge role. Um, and I think when it comes to Spo. I think it's really his choice. He's had more of a role in personnel in recent years than he had before. They've used him big time. We had Winhorse on the show was talking about uh, the pitch to Gordon Hayward, uh, which Spo prepared, which Winhorse was told that was the best pitch that the Heat ever prepared for a free agent player. Um, better than the pitch that got LeBron and Bosch. Okay. Better than the pitch that was Pat Riley basically telling Tracy McGrady or then putting Tracy McGrady in a boat. Okay, from Zoe's house to Pat Riley's house, okay, to recruit him in 2000. Okay, that this was the best pitch they'd ever done. So, Spo's understanding of that stuff, Spo was also the guy who prepared Fisdale for the, the Memphis job. Um, I think if he wants to go into the front office, it's an option for him. The other thing to understand is he, they, he and his wife just had a baby. Um, NBA travel is hard, okay, and NBA travel as a coach when you're Spo and you've been doing that now, it was different when he was single all those years. But he's been doing this now for 22 years, okay, or to a large part. I can see a scenario where Spolster decides he wants to go to the front office. I have a bigger question on who would be the coach after him. Now, I don't have as much of a question of do they have enough front office personnel. My question is, who are they grooming to be the next head coach if it's not going to be Spo? If he does go to the front office, is it Dan Craig? Um, you know, I, is Jawan going to leave? If Jawan leaves, I think they need to get an assistant with playing experience. I think, frankly, they need to diversify the staff. A little bit if Jawan leaves. Um, so I, I think those are bigger questions. But I could see Shane being the face of the organization and sort of Andy handling everything he's handing now with a more a little bit more of a role and then Spo taking more of a role with him. And then Nick will run the general operations, which he's been doing for the past few years anyway. Thank you so much, Ethan. I know you gotta go because uh, you have one of Heat Beats own Nikaias Duncan. You caught on a whale your pod coming up. 
Yeah. We did. This is our That's this is our bi- this is our biggest whale yet. Um, it's going to break all the download records. Um, actually, I, I think this is the episode Whittingham's going to enjoy the most because I'm not quite on Chris's level intellectually. So I think because I don't know if anybody is or or if, or if Chris not thinks anybody mind. is right. So so I, I I think this is I'm just going to step aside and let Nikias and uh, and Chris uh, Chris handle it. We'll do a little bit of heat on that pod tonight too because I'm curious what Nikias thinks about how they should build this thing because you can't just look at now. You've got to look at when or if Golden State finally fades and every dynasty fades. What is the next incarnation? What's the team that's going to be ready? And I, I think one of the questions that will never get answered is if LeBron had stayed in 2014, and even if Riley had patched it together with Pau Gasol and some of the other pieces, what would have happened against this behemoth that nobody saw coming out of the Western Conference? And that's sort of the unanswerable question. I don't know if we'll ever really know, but I think you have to, you, you never know where the next team's going to come from. We thought it would be the Spurs for the next few years, and it turned out to be the Warriors. The Heat were building a team to beat the Spurs. The Pacers were building a team to beat the Heat, you know, the, you know and the, the Heat were building a team to beat the Celtics. You just, you just don't know what that next team is going to be. So I, I'm, I'll be curious to talk to Nikias about that tonight and, and figure out what he thinks. Excellent. Thanks so much for coming on with us, Ethan. And if you haven't checked it out so far, check out the Five Reasons podcast with Ethan Skolnick and Chris Whittingham. It's fantastic. Especially if you liked uh, the the last one they did with the LeBron stories. It was really interesting. I really enjoyed that. So everyone check that out. Appreciate it. And we will have Udonis Haslam next week. I just want to make that before I go. Uh, one thing. Wow, what, appointment what, listening. That's a whale watching. We, we, we're, ha- we're having UD. Um, we're going to he, he says he says he gets a uh, little ADD after 30 minutes. We're going to try to keep him for closer an hour. But we're going to ask questions like this. Who did he want most want to kill? Jaja Pachulia, Lance Stevenson or David West? Uh, oh we'll give God. him those three options <laughs> and get an answer <laughs> him on that. So we're going to uh, we're going to tape that one. That's probably going to be up next Monday. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to that. All right. Thank you, Ethan. My appearance today on Miami Heat Beat brought to you by Miss Inc. Go to miss-inc.com. That's 305-537-6465. Missinc.com. Social media problem solvers. They do social media marketing and content writing. Been in business since January of 2008. That was during the Heat's terrific 15-win season. They believe in a personal, customized approach to marketing. And as such, they only represent businesses that are serious about taking their visibility to the next level. Social media marketing requires much more than just a blog or profiles on websites like Facebook and Twitter. It takes smart strategy and a daily interactive focus. That's why the Five Reasons Sports Network is working with Miss Inc. They don't believe in cookie cutter strategies or unboxing your business in with others in your industry. Here's where you go, MissInc.com. Again, it's MissInc.com or call 305-537-6465. For an athlete to be successful, unless he's LeBron, he needs a team. Same as in business. That's why more small to mid-sized businesses in South Florida are choosing Greenlight Tech, the full-service concierge IT company that gets it right. Greenlight Tech advises, monitors, supports, and keeps your important data backed up and secure. They'll even manage your vendors. Call Greenlight Tech at 561-325-9997. Mention Miami Heat Beat or 5 Reasons and get a free assessment. Sign up and your first month is free. Be unstoppable. Visit greenlighttek.com. All right, if you've been on social media this week, it's uh, been kind of crazy. All the tea leaves out there. Kawhi and Paul George in Miami. What are, we, what are our thoughts about that, guys? We have, we have Alf with us. Alf954. The president of Heat Twitter has joined us. Woohoo! Okay, what, what, do I give my Heat Twitter 
Hogan holding his hand to the do ear it. answer. Do it. Or my or my real mom. Yeah. Answer. Do it. All right. The Hogan holding his ear to the crowd answer is these guys are all coming down here. They're about to have a conference with Pat Riley. He's going to throw those rings on the table. LeBron and Wade yes. are going to throw their rings on the table. And boom, it's going to be on. Like We're going to have a fucking super team down here. It's going to be Wade, LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George. I'm not, not sure Hassan. Not Hassan. <laughs> I don't know who's going to be a point guard, who's going to be a center. I don't know really what's going on there, but that shit's going to happen. Like That's what the fuck is going to go on. Like We're, we're doing bringing this Rio guy. back. Hashtag that's my president. Dude, Norris Cole's balling in Israel right now. Fucking discounted. So what's the Uh, real take, though? What's the real uh, talk? The real take is the fucking off-season. We live in Miami. All right? They're all on vacation, and we think that they're all signing with us. Either they're they're (laughs) coming here for a vacation, or they're here on their way to the next fucking stop. Because, remember, there's a fucking port down there in Miami where people get on boats and go to fucking island. So... I mean, we, and they're like Aventura. Like they're fucking. They're probably they're probably about to jump on a yacht somewhere. Like, but no, no, no. But Elf, let's be real. Why is Kawhi eating Chipotle in Aventura if he's just on vacation? That's not a vacation meal. That's a you're moving to Miami meal. That's like <laughs> something you can get all the time. If you were only on vacation for a week, you'd be going to all the fancy spots. If you're eating Chipotle in the Aventura Mall, you're moving no, here. I mean, that's no, easy. The, say what? What are the locals eating? No, the real the real question is. How does a motherfucker come from San Antonio where he has the best fucking Tex-Mex option in the world? <laughs> hey, yeah, come, to, come to South Florida and go to Chipotle. Like, that's what, like, honestly, I don't even know if I want Kawhi Leonard on my team if he makes these kind of fucking decisions. They don't even like, have queso. He, like, what, what is he doing? Like, you could go, like, you got, you, you left Texas to get a burrito in fucking Miami? Taking food recommendations from Kawhi is like taking clothing recommendations from Tim Duncan. I thought, I thought you were going to say me. Uh, <laughs> no, you, yeah, you too. I was really like, I was waiting to defend myself and you went with Timmy, which is okay. I, I appreciate it. And, and Paul George has a kid down here, right? Maybe two? Two, I think. Three? Four? He's looking for, back looking, with, for, he's back looking with, for three. He's back with the stripper. That's what I would think. I was. It was funny when Ethan was talking about Paul George, is he a number two or whatever? It's like, how do you trust that guy's decision making? He impregnates a stripper. Then he's got that picture with his dog's balls on top of him. You don't want Paul George anywhere near your team. Like, that guy can't make good decisions. You expect him to take a three when he should be taking a two? Like, he's going to be doing that yeah, all game long. That's, let him, that's the let best him ball handling he's ever done. <laughs> yeah, the funniest part is that we're all hope trafficking all these guys to Miami. And basically, the premise with which we want this to happen is they all are going to force their way through, like, reverse sign-in trades to the Heat. Because we have no cap space. We have no flexibility that way. So they would all basically have to say, like, I'm going to go there no matter what. So you better get something for me. Um, it's just, it's completely pie in the sky. Guys, I know I'm ruining a whole summer of podcasts. Um, but <laughs> nothing is happening except cap relief this summer. Like, anything that happens is going to be to get these contracts off the books, if possible. If not, they're going to run it back next year. Like, I mean, no, like, Kawhi, like none of this stuff can happen. Like we just don't, we don't have the space. And for us to get the space, like you have to gut the whole team. And then who wants to come here anyway? So- Andrew Wiggins, that's the move. That's uh, I feel like we should lower our expectations. Not Kawhi, not LeBron, um, Paul George, whatever. But it's the Andrew Wiggins tier. That that that's like the kind of the players that to, he's about to get a super max, isn't he? He he, he already, already has get it. that, and that may be the reason why we can get him. But 
you know, considering his age and, and how he played, you know, the year prior and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I think that it's um, like that's probably like the high end of a player that, well, uh, that we could look to swap someone like Hassan for. I think the I think I was talking about it on the chat yesterday and everyone laughed, but I think the mellow deal with OKC makes a ton of sense for cap room next summer. OKC is a place where you're not, cap room doesn't mean anything. They're not going to get free agents. They're not in a place where taking on bad contracts or picks makes a lot of sense if you're building around Russell Westbrook. Westbrook, as much as he's crazy and he loves his triple doubles and his stats, he wants to win. So the truth is, like, if Paul George leaves and Melos opts in, which he will because it's for $28 million, they're going to have to move him. And the truth is they'd be better off taking on um, – Taking on a TJ and a Dion, or a TJ and, then, and a JJ, and then Tyler, um, Johnson, Tyler Johnson would be the best looking person in Oklahoma City. So <laughs> I don't see I mean, why they would. He fits yeah. in there perfectly. He's only he, missing one tooth, whereas most yeah. of the fans are missing ten. So it's just yeah. like he's an upgrade. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> and and also uh, down here we have TJ and Dion pulling their pictures off of Instagram. Is that true, or is that just a rumored thing? I went. TJ just had like three videos of his brother, who is just slightly less ugly than he is. It's true, but it appears as if that stuff happened a long time ago. So, like, it's just basically uh, being late to the party in terms of knowing that that activity had changed on Instagram for both of them guys. Their Twitter accounts haven't changed. False alarm. I don't just think it means proof that anything. no one gives a shit what they do. Uh, pretty much that we just figured that shit out now. LeBron, like literally everything he does on social media, we know TJ has not had a, a heat photo for four months on his profile. And we, we just find it out now. <laughs> and no, analyzing it. Well, maybe and when then, he gets his tooth put in, he'll he'll uh, want to do a photo shoot. <laughs> Dion deleted his pictures because he had like he had some pictures where he looked really, really fat. So I'm pretty sure that's why Like some. he had this picture with his, his I guess that's his girlfriend. I don't know who it is. I mean, he looked like he ate a fucking other human being. Like he somebody, looked like he ate rookie Dion Waiters. Somebody messaged me and said that Dion, like, um, said in an Instagram story or some some one of these fucking places where they're playing videos that uh, they were making disparaging comments towards his kids and his his daughter or something like that. So that you know made it where he like deleted all the pictures so that no more comments could be made. Something like that. You know, this is Twitter bullshit that comes in the DMs. That's not cool. Wow. Yeah, I feel like Instagram has gotten like super ratchet in like the last week. <laughs> yeah, it's like they all left Twitter when Twitter cracked down with the community bullshit. Yeah, and now they're all on Instagram trying to uh, do that thing. I mean, still but, uh, the, the Facebook comments. So but you guys, sure. you remember the picture in Mexico with Dion when he said he was wearing two sweaters? I mean, that guy <laughs> ate so many chimichangas <laughs> and enchiladas. That's all he was doing. Everyone was practicing and figuring out what they were doing, and Dion was just eating Mexican food. That was oh, yeah. Funny. He was definitely behind Kawhi in line at Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> at least he went to Mexico to eat Mexican food. Kawhi Leonard comes to fucking Miami to go to a fucking fast food chain. Ugh. Oh, my God. I love Chipotle. Chipotle is my life. What in the world was that? If Gianni was here, he'd be slandering the shit out of you That right was a now, Chipotle of my life, kid. The famous wow. Vine. Excellent producing, Brian. Just let that shit sit there. Let the awkward silence (laughs) set in. Like, do that justice. I don't know about you guys, but I'm super hyped that we can stop talking about Cleveland in the present now. 
I agree. Cleveland is a dead. It's done. As a, as when, a, so when a, do they move it? When when does Cleveland move? When is it done? When do they move the team? Because they're useless no. now. Guys, can I say that? I was in Cleveland for a wedding on Memorial Day weekend, and I wanted Sorry. to give it a fair shot. I wanted to be like, all right, sure listen, maybe maybe I've trashed the city. I should really explore what they have to offer. So Liar. I went to like the West Side, the West Side Market. It's supposed to be their really nice like farmers market. This place <laughs> was filled with bugs. It was disgusting. Um, I did get a pepperoni roll, which was good because I thought I had to taste the food, even if it's infested with uh, bugs. And it's just not a place you want to be. It's not a place you want to raise your children. Um, it's I built on a trash heap. Come on, man. It's I the type of place you should go to a Chipotle. <laughs> I was about to ask, do they even have a Chipotle? I mean, they have stuff. I was, at, I, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was at a nice, Chipotle. I was staying at a nice hotel, but it was just like, it's a weird place. It's a city that really doesn't know what it wants. It's very racist. Everyone I talked to was like, this is a very yeah. racist city. Yeah, they're in Cleveland and they're like, Chipotle, we don't want any soul food up here. <laughs> no Chipotle. That's soul food. <laughs> All right, bro. Brian, we got a mailbag. I'm sorry, I'm dying. <laughs> here we go. Welcome to a new segment we like to call, The Heat Beat Mailbag. You've sent us your questions and hot takes using the hashtag MHBMailbag. Now it's our turn to give you our answers and tell you how wrong your opinions are. Alright, so we got a couple questions from our listeners. Uh, first one comes from Heat Expert 32780 He's asking, if the Heat offered Cleveland every traffic for the foreseeable future attached to bad contracts for Hassan, Tyler, and Dion in exchange for LeBron and Love, who says no? Not us. I mean, yeah, we're going we're all in on that, man. <laughs> yeah, we don't have any draft. What, what yeah, draft picks? Coming. Let's draft go. Picks. Let's do this. Next. Next one comes from Way to Bio at Heatside. He asks, "What would be Miami's all defensive five of all time?" Zo, Alonzo for sure. PJ Brown, Brown or Haslam. PJ Brown PJ or Haslam. Brown. Haslam too. He's starting at the three. That's how we roll. Um, at the no, two, you gotta put. You gotta put. Um, probably Bruce Bowen or Dan Marley would make the team, right? But that's that's the three. That's Shame. A- you have to. You have we're, to. We're between. positionless. We're positionless. Yes. <laughs> you have yeah, to pick between. Who's coaching UD this team, Spo? <laughs> you have to pick between UD and PJ at power forward, and then for small forward, you gotta go Bruce Bowen, right? Or Marley, one of the two. Yep. Now Bowen was a better defender than Marley, in my opinion. Shooting guard Eddie Jones. Mm. Yeah. I don't know about that. I think he was a little overrated as a one-on-one defender. Maybe Jay Rich gets in that conversation. Oh, shit. Justice as a point guard? Anthony Carter was a pretty good defensive point guard. I'm trying. Patrick Beverly. He, he really was. What about Pat Patrick Be- Beverly? Pat- Patrick Beverly. He had a cup of coffee here. He doesn't count. <laughs> Eric Murdoch. <laughs> um... Yeah, we could, uh, we've we named like 10 guys. Next. 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 We got first and second team on defense. Next question comes from Alan K. He asks, I'm not from the United States, so I was wondering, how does Miami stack up against Los Angeles, Houston, and some other cities? If it's about lifestyle for LeBron, Kawhi, or Paul George, is Miami more tempting than these other cities? 
Miami's better because it's less traffic than all those other places. It basically has what you want from a city. It's got the beach. It's got beautiful women. It's got good food. It's got nice culture. It's got people from all over the place. And you don't have to deal with the traffic you have to deal with in L.A. I understand the allure of L.A., movies, the next step in life, all that other stuff. But you have to sit in traffic for so long to go down the street. If you want to get Chipotle in L.A., it would take so long. The short answer is if this was all about location, his ass would be in Miami. But it ain't. All right, my favorite question comes from Fidelux. He asks, is Harry more racist or more white? (laughs) Yes. I hate that Israeli. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Do you guys want a bonus question? Yeah. All right, this comes from at Lane underscore. Could two Jews who like pork sustain an entire podcast? Yes. (laughs) I support that podcast. Yeah, Lane and I are going to do a new pod because Ethan wouldn't accept our podcast. He said Balls Cats was taking care of food. What's the name of it again? The Kosher Pig? The Kosher Pig. Are you just going to be Jews focusing on pork? Is that like the whole thing? (laughs) We're going to bring Sarah on because she's better looking and more well-spoken. Wait, better looking on a podcast? (laughs) You can hear it in her voice. (laughs) Sarah, Sarah sounds like, um, I can't think of her name now, but uh, the girl from Masters of Sex. <laughs> that joke writes itself. Yeah. You Yo, really, Alf, do you have a light-skinned opinion on that? I'm about to say, do you really sound that ugly, Harry? Like, Jesus Christ. I don't think I, I, don't think I sound great. Brass has the voice of, like, sex. <laughs> Sarah, name me, Jazz. Sarah, name me, Brass, please. Oh, my God. No, 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 I'm not. But I don't know. When Alf wanted me to do voiceovers as a super white guy, I don't know why he didn't just ask Harry. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.